Preston now. Tagged by one arm. Bruce, certainty here. So cool. Good response. His first of the day. Warple. De Boer. Warple's handball ended up with Taranto. De Boer couldn't quite. His Cousins runs inside 50. Cousins. Segler to make it real difficult, and he does, so 28-point lead for Hawks. Centering unselfish ball, not sure it'll have the intended target here. Sicily, able to get around, lines him up. Oh, he's going to enjoy this, the defender. Oh, James Sicily. You gave them a chance, ourselves included, but the Hawks pulled off a stirring 33-point win over a genuine premiership contender. Yes, it was a Mother's Day coaching masterclass from Alastair Clarkson, who reminded the footy world why he's the best in the business. We're bringing you a full recap of Hawthorne's big win over the Giants, plus we take a look at Jared Ruffhead's return to Box Hill, as well as our president's latest beef with the AFL. It's a big, big episode here on the Hawk Talk podcast, the go-to show for all fans of the Hawthorne Football Club. My name is Nick Mason, I'm joined by a man who showed great form in the Box Hill podcast, so he's back in the main lineup this week. G'day, Tiz. <laughs> the Box Hill... No such thing before anyone goes searching for it. We were a little bit uh, down last week, weren't we? But we're well up again and we've got Wayne Carey in the sights and it's fantastic. (laughs) It's all happening. Hawthorne's all over the news, but not for the win, interestingly. No, no. It seems to be the last thing anyone wants to talk about is the fact that we beat, as I said in the intro, a team that was a premiership contender last I checked. Well, I mean, are they really a team? Um, (laughs) Are they really a club? I think these are the questions that should be asked. No, no one's interested in that. Everyone's interested in attendance. Because at least the Hawthorne supporters showed. Well, that's right. Yeah, it's not on us. There was basically nothing from GWS, so <laughs> good luck. We'll never hear that, though. That's not no, part of, of the angle. No, it's, it's not the interesting part of that narrative. <sighs> anyway, love Kennet, though, just coming out blazing. Salty Jeff is my favourite flavour, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just classic, isn't it? It's classic outspoken Kennet. And he, he's deservedly so, just served it up to the AFL. Yeah, well, to underline just how bad GWS were, or are, or were portrayed to be, mm. Jimmy Bartell, who was a board member at GWS, came out and said that's their worst loss ever. Yes, that's And I right. think if you go back to the record books, it <laughs> quite honestly is not. <laughs> that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, how long has he been watching GWS? Because <laughs> I know for a fact that's not their worst loss. Yeah. Maybe, maybe their worst loss since he's been involved with the club, which is what, this year? It was great to watch, though, wasn't it? The structures. Timmy looked fantastic down back. <laughs> Cousins turned up. I mean, Amira was taken out of the game. Oh, just all over the park, we had winners. It's great. It was, um, dare I say, probably our best, well, besides round one. It's our best team performance. That's exactly what I was going to say. Took the word straight out of my mouth, but... And, and that's great to see. I mean, last week we were a bit down on the pod and some of our listeners were calling for a much happier edition of the Hawk Talk podcast this week, and that's fine. Yeah, we're not looking at our navels this week. No, not at all, because they turned it around. We wanted the Hawks, and particularly Alistair Clarkson, to show something different, and didn't they just? You just got the feeling almost straight away watching the game that there was something a bit different about this Hawks outfit this week. Yeah, it's a good feeling, isn't it? To see that uh, you can hit a pass into the forward 50 First time. Incredible. First pass of the game. First pass Impey, of the game. straight yeah. up, takes the mark. Even Impey of all players, because that, that was also one of the first signs that something was a bit different, because him being down there, you're like, okay, interesting. I haven't seen that for a while. He took to it like a duck to water, let's be honest. He loves it. Loves a goal, Impey. 
Well, he kicked two in the first quarter, so he definitely loves a goal. Uh, let's get to the social media stuff before we get to the uh, the full recap of the game. Now, iTunes, you can rate and review us, and uh, people have done, Tiz. What, they rated that really awful pod where we had a go <laughs> at everybody and basically said the club stuffed? Well, I wouldn't say we went that far. <laughs> it was slightly below our usual jubilant Didn't selves, get but... much reaction to me saying I wasn't behind Clarko either. I just dangled that out there and oh, you got nothing. A little, you got a little bit. <sighs> i got to learn from Wayne, really. I mean, obviously, Wayne Carey knows how to do it. <laughs> what? Just be an expert troll, basically. Yeah, yeah. And get the reaction. And get paid. That's oh, yeah. the important and, part. And get paid, yeah. yeah you got to get paid. That's he, where you know you've made it. Yeah. And authority on boring. <laughs> In more ways than one, I think, for Wayne. Uh, now, we've got two players who have played exactly 143 games for Hawthorne. We've had 143 ratings. This is the segment, 143 games. First of all, HFC Hall of Fame member, dual best and fairest winner, Stan Spinks. Does he ring a bell, Tiz? Any relation to Brett Spinks? No, I have no idea if there's any relation at all. Uh, Stan Spinks, he made his debut for Hawthorne in 1931. Now, according to AustralianFootball.com, Stan Spinks played wing and he went into the middle as well, combining pace, determination, toughness and skill in good measure. He was undoubtedly one of the Maybloom's main shining lights during a bleak era for the club. And we've heard on this podcast... How bleak that is. ...just how bad it was (laughs) at that time. He was also considered one of the great wet-weather footballers of the time. Now, uh, triple Brownlow medalist Hayden Bunton considered Spinks to be one of the hardest opponents that he ever played against, which is... Well, that's interesting. I tipped his hat there. I think that's a pretty nice credit to have earned. Yeah, now, to earn a compliment from a triple Brownlow medalist. Yeah, it's a, well, it's like a guy who's had those, you know, triple honours, yeah. felt like he had to earn it, which is nice. <laughs> it's a good thing to say. Now, after playing a magnificent game against uh, Bunton at Fitzroy, Hawthorne supporters took up a collection and presented Spinks with 11 pounds, which at the time was a rare acknowledgement, and... Nothing like that would ever happen today, would it? <laughs> now, the only thing close to that is when they bet on themselves, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, uh, that, I mean, that's just a sign of the times there for you. Uh, speaking of Brownlow medals, Spinks actually finished second in the 1938 Brownlow medal count. He missed out by only one vote to none other than Dick Reynolds. Incredible career, really. And so- yet I hadn't heard of him before now. Well, there you go. Well, I've got to admit, neither had I. His story gets more interesting. He was actually dropped to the reserves for disciplinary reasons. Now, I couldn't find out what exactly that was, <laughs> but he, he actually bounced back. He played outstanding football, but it wasn't enough. He was continually overlooked despite performing well. And sure enough, uh, with his effort being unrewarded, he got a bit disillusioned and he walked down the club. Did uh, Stan Spinks. It takes a pretty bad turn, the story, I suppose you could say. Did he come back? He came back, yeah. <laughs> he came back to Hawthorne, found his way back, assisting in coaching and team selection for more than a decade, and served on the general committee. He uh, passed away in 2003, but, uh, I mean, his service to the club has obviously been enormous, not only as a player, but behind the scenes as well. So, uh, well done to Stan Spinks there. Well, that was a worthwhile addition. <laughs> We've got one more. We've got one more player. Secondly, making his debut for the Hawks in 1962, also playing exactly 143 games for Hawthorne, Ruckman Ken Beck. I know about this fella. Do you? Yeah. Apparently, he's really, really tall and <laughs> has a, a huge yeah, and had a huge reach on the mark because my dad played against him in a practice match wow, once. Wow. There you go. Yeah, he went down and uh, got berated by John Kennedy and. Uh, I think he's there a couple of times, but uh, didn't get the career. Now, Beck was actually remembered as uh, an extremely reliable ruckman for Hawthorne, 
uh, between 1962 and 72. So you're right in saying he was a tall bloke. He towered over his opponents at 198 centimetres, which we know tall Which is matches, massive for the, that day, though. Oh, exactly. That, that era of football, that is enormous. Now, uh, he played in the losing 1963 grand final side, and unfortunately he also was unlucky enough to miss out on the 1971 flag. So, uh, you know, about a 10-year career and didn't quite get that success with the club. But uh, he is remembered fondly for one particular incident, which I read about in uh, a book called Mongrel Punts and Hardball Gets. Great title. Fantastic title. Uh, When Ken Beck was standing the mark, he decided the best he could do to put his opponent off was pull a handstand. It proved unsuccessful as the St Kilda players simply ran around him. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> that is outstanding. So uh, there you go. Thank you for your service to the Hawthorne Football Club, Ken Beck. Even though he had such a huge reach, he still decided to... Well, I, I suppose he must have been a fair way out, though, for him to have to run around him know. anyway. That's, yeah. If only there was vision of this stuff. Oh, I wish. You do you, Ken. That's outstanding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 143 ratings for iTunes, and they're the two players in Hawthorne's history that have played 143 games. So get on iTunes, rate and review us. Jump on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod. Twitter was all abuzz with the win over the Giants. It was great to see. You can find us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. So one goal in the second half for GWS just illustrates how well we beat them. <laughs> I mean, it really does. You Cannot argue with numbers, can you? And uh, Frawley only got a fine for feeling lucky. Mm. That was atrocious, by the way. That should never have been a report. Oh, I think he had a little bit of a hand in that. A little bit. Well, this is the thing. Cameron was running so hard, it didn't take much to use his own momentum against him, which is the beauty of it. <laughs> but, I mean, he, you know, Frawley did have a hand in it, it has to be said. That kind of crap can, can stir up a game, though, can't it? You know, that that can really rile uh, Frawley's game up. Mm. And I, he can go either way with that. That can damage your concentration. I was impressed with Frawley. And so was one of the coaches, but we don't know which one. Oh, because Frawley got coaches' votes? Frawley got four coaches' votes. Right. But who gave them to him? I don't know. It's an interesting question. <laughs> Are we ever going to find out the answer? No, I don't think you do find out. <laughs> All right, then. So there we go. Just... I thought he was excellent. But a lot of people are saying that Cameron was injured. and But Cameron has been averaging some phenomenal number of shots on goal, whether he kicked them or not. Well, he might have been injured after being ploughed into the fence. <laughs> <laughs> that might have done it. Uh, but he, he has that sooky la-la about him, Cameron, when the game's not going his way. And it wasn't. He ended up with four behinds, I think. Which... A fantastic call against Green early on. <laughs> oh, yeah, with the uh, classic Toby Green infringement paid yeah. against Toby Green. Yeah. Which, never uh, against anyone else. No. Which is just terrific. You know why it's never paid against anyone else? Because no one else is dirty enough to do it. Yeah, we're not getting into the rule, uh, the cult of personality in AFL rule books yet. But there's an <laughs> example where it doesn't go for you. Yes. Yeah, exactly right. Well, we've got so much to talk about in this episode. Uh, look, I mean, it was a fantastic win, wasn't it? I mean, keeping the Giants to only a goal in the second half... But also our start was much better than it seems to have been all year. A lot about this win was surprising. I mean, you look at us on paper, no Roughhead, no Wingard, no Smith, and Brandon Howe went out of the side omitted as well. Now, normally, as we've discussed on this podcast, when you make changes in bulk like that, you do court disaster. There was five total changes to the side. I feel it was matched by the fact that GWS were playing a few players injured. Mm. So Kelly was just back, I think, Cogs or Canelio. 
Mm. It didn't look very good if he's looking to come to Hawthorne. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I think he might be playing with an injury, and definitely Phil Davis was as well. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you don't usually get anywhere near your opposition when you make so many changes as that. Mind you, we haven't had a settled lineup all year, so it's about time it clicked. It was very clever how Clarko dismantled their game plan, though. Mm. So they didn't have Lockie Whitfield. He's not there. He's a wonderful distributor for them. And Kelly, even though he's back, wasn't as damaging no. as he usually is. But, geez, he can get it. Mm. We just denied them going straight up the ground. And it meant that we had time to um, set up our defences. And yeah. Timmy and Strats looked commanding. And Frawley was never troubled. And... The defensive structures were awesome. They just completely strangled the Giants all day. Scrimshaw was terrific again. Oh, Scrimshaw was great. Sisley put his head over the ball a couple of times mm-hmm. and and won some contests that ordinarily he might shirk. I guess the reason why I bring up the um, those particular players, five in total being out of the side, is it's pretty impressive to have an unsettled lineup and still have such a commanding team performance. It all just clicked finally, as you said. Well, between the lines, it's it's been the trouble. Um, and specifically forward. Mm. So it was interesting that taking two forwards out made us look so much better. Well, when that news came through, you had to wonder where the hell our goals were going to come from. And and people weren't convinced that Wingard actually had an issue. They no. felt it was a disciplinary drop. Yeah, people feel that way about dis- Smith as well. Dis- I don't feel that way about Smith. I think he needed a rest. Mm. He's, he's looked to be labouring for a long time now, about yeah. four or five weeks. Um, since he picked up that knock in the St Kilda match, mm. but uh, no, you can. You just, I just loved how Clarko made sure they didn't get any movement off the halfback flank. He had a couple of players that I reckon in the rooms. If you went down, you would have seen their names circled in big red <laughs> uh, whiteboard marker. Yep, targets. Will, yep, Williams. <laughs> he ha- he he seemed to hardly ever get a good run at the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else did you notice getting knocked down? Oh, this would be Jeremy Cameron again. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Toby Green. Yeah. Just every chance they got. It felt it was that finals-like concentration. Mm. They had their targets and they made sure they hit them. And Williams, I've got him in my super coach team. That's one of his worst performances. It is. Yeah, that's right. We heard from one of our listeners, Josh. Difficult to single out players in what was a really good all-round team performance. I didn't think I'd be saying this after the Ruffy decision, but Clarko deserves a lot of credit. He dismantled GWS the same way he did the Crows in round one, and his plan was well executed by the playing group. Which I think sums up the uh, the win pretty nicely, actually. A bit of it feels like they had a clear determination of what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. and they went and went out and did it. I'm not sure if he just simplified the plan, because that was that was a really good performance. It makes me wonder what we see next week against Richmond. Um, whether we go back to something else or... Well, i tell you what was a fantastic stat mm. in this is that we had 58 uncontested possessions mm. above theirs. And that just means our work rate was so much higher. Well, there was the uh, record-breaking stat uh, recorded in that final quarter, a chain of uh, 40 uncontested marks. Do you think we should be doing an ole every time we get one of those? Or <laughs> Well, you could have on the day for sure because that's effectively what closed the door on the contest. Yeah. In, in that final quarter. Well, they, if they don't want to man up, that's what happens. Well, exactly right. We were just happy to wipe time off the clock. We had a commanding lead of about 30 points. and They had to come at us and they didn't. Yep. Extremely that was foolish. so boring for me <laughs> that they just decided to hang back and oh, not what, want that, to win. Well, that, yeah, that winning strategy was not interesting <laughs> enough for you. <laughs> no, their strategy 
is oh, boring. Right. And <laughs> and without any any semblance of being competitive. No, that's right. They were not prepared to to, take, to attack to take their opponents and. They sagged off them, and Hawthorne were happy to chip it around because why? You don't need to do anything else if you have that kind of ascendancy on the contest. You don't need to start taking risks, and that's probably the first time again, bar round one, where we've had that luxury of being like, "Well, we're on top here. We have all the momentum. Why would we start rolling the dice? It's up to the opposition to force us to play a different way." And the Giants just didn't particularly seem interested in forcing us to do that. So, the only quarter they looked like. Coming nearest was the second quarter. Mm. After our f- fantastic first quarter, they altered things a little bit. Yep. Um, Ricky Henderson came out mm. wonderfully well. Ten touches in the first quarter. Yep. They must have wondered what they were going to do with him. If anyone felt for a second after that one down week that Hendo's magnificent season might be uh, plateauing a bit, that he might be sort of sagging off his best, think again because he came out firing. Nine contested. 24 uncontested, 10 marks, 2 intercept marks, 7 intercepts. Mm. Uh, just incredible stuff from him. Uh, 1 assist and 5 scoring involvements. He has become one of our greatest weapons, and I didn't mm. see it coming. Neither did I. But that's the thing about the Phantom Tears. You don't see the Phantom coming. <laughs> the Phantom. <laughs> uh, wow. 642 metres gained with a disposal efficiency of 69. Nice. If you don't mind. <laughs> Uh, what did you think of Dylan Moore? Didn't notice him that much, to be honest. Whatever his, uh, what's his numbers there? Dylan Moore had 13 uncontested disposals, mm. uh, 10 of those marks. So that shows how much spread okay. he's getting us. He's finding space, which is good. And he has gut running to burn. Mm. So he's going to be maybe as good, potentially, as Scully at running. So you would play him on the wing or similar? Well, he will get there eventually. Mm. Yeah, he's a little bit shorter than Scully. True, but hasn't Scully been good? That third quarter, he turned up ten touches mm. in the third. It's almost like they can rotate them now. <laughs> I think that Our was wingman. the idea. It's terrific. Yeah. So wingmen are becoming much more important in the six-six-six zone, aren't they? Well, you could see it happening with Hawthorne. The you know you had the three sort of premier wingmen yep. in uh, Smith, Scully, and Henderson, and if we can. Keep on consolidating depth around that area. Then I mean, fantastic. But just there's a little bit more space for them than there ordinarily used to be. Yeah. And uh, although it hasn't worked out well for North Melbourne, who recruited a few wingmen, <laughs> um, they'll probably click probably over the next month if you have a look at their fixture. Mm. Uh, they've got a couple of easy games coming up, but uh, and taking people to Tassie, which is going to be something we're going to enjoy. I reckon when we take Port <laughs> down there without. Ryan Burton, who's apparently in career best form, according to Facebook. Oh, let's not go that far. He's been serviceable for Port, but just think... to, just to illustrate why mm-hmm. Ryan was so pissed off to go to Port, and he was. He was very angry about it. Mm. Got over it over the summer. Obviously, someone had a chat to him, and said, "Don't be so down in the mouth. You got to put a smile on this." Yep. And he's performed well, admirably. Yep. But uh, so, in the previous round, Burton came to the bench complaining of hamstring tightness mm. at least three times. That's right, yeah. And he was then told to go back on the park and mm-hmm. play the game out. And then at the showdown on Saturday night, 10 minutes in, twang. Yep. Hamstring, done for the game, three, four weeks. Mrs. Hawthorne, unfortunately. <laughs> now, look, I will say 
I feel bad for Burton. That's a horrible thing oh, that yeah. happened. But I'm not having to go at Burton. No, I know you're not. I'm having to go at, at the at administration at yep. that club. And fair enough. They're completely to blame for that and, and stuff them. They deserve everything they get. Milk, they deserve to be a man down. And Melksham got put back on the park for Melbourne on the weekend. Oh. Now he has a fractured foot. Oh, jeez. Fabulous. <laughs> I mean, the, so the administration of some clubs is just as bad as AFL House. Yeah, but we're boring, mate. Let's focus on the real issue so, of how boring Hawthorne is. That's, any, that's the big story. Have we got some questions? Because I want to go through. I'd love to go through this whole list of individuals like Hardwick. He was excellent. Oh yes, we have plenty to say. Plenty of positives to take Warple out of this game. Warple looks terrific. He just keeps going from strength to strength. Let's start with one of our listeners, uh, Jesse, who hit us up at Hawk Talk Pod. Happy that we finally put in a four quarter effort. Our backline held up well, and it was great to see some positive signs out of hashtag Switch to Mitch. The biggest positive from the game for me was the game of Cousins. When Jager got the tag, he seemed like the one that stepped up the most in the midfield group. And to add to that, we heard from Daniel as well at Hawk Talk Pod. Does this past weekend make you rethink James Cousins' ceiling as an AFL player? What do you reckon? That intercept was something marvellous. There's something about that. (laughs) And something about his first goal up at Sydney Mm. that just scream he can be anything. Yeah. I don't know. I've always liked Cousins. 25 touches at 72% disposal efficiency. He matched Blake Hardwick for most marks for our team with 11. Kicked a brilliant goal, as we just mentioned, that really began to make things tough for the Giants from there. Just 68% game time, Tiz. 25 touches, 68% game time. Yeah, still young. Yep. Still young. So, looking ahead, pretty awesome prospect, I would say. And... In terms of have we seen the ceiling and where we think he's going to go from here, I don't, we've barely been... No, we haven't seen it. He's saying no. rethink it, and absolutely you do. Well, I, I have Could he be a Ben? Well, let's hope in one way more than another, hey? <laughs> <laughs> I saw he was uh, in the Tigers' room. Out so of the shadows? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how they inspire him to come back to the fold mm. and not West Coast. Well, West Coast might be feeling the sting of betrayal a bit because they, they tried to foster a job and a position for him at the club. Oh, that, and then, that's true. Yeah, they yeah. did give him a few legs up, yeah. Yeah, so I think that might be the thing there. But, I mean, James Cousins, I hadn't really drawn any major conclusions about what he could be, but you've got to keep on playing him, surely. He's, he's doing nothing wrong. Well, I mean, he was overlooked for not only that number change, which we talked about at the start <laughs> of the year, Yeah, but he was overlooked early until, um, until Mitchell went down and we thought, oh, yeah. hello. But he's in round one and he hasn't looked back. I think I might have tweeted during the week that... He should definitely have contested that bloody uh, suspension he got. Well, yeah, I mean, hindsight's a little bit annoying like that, isn't it? What's the excuse? I'm protecting my shoulder. Yeah, I don't know. That's the Ablett excuse. Can we get into it later? Oh, have you got a thing prepared? <laughs> no, we just there's a lot about the AFL right now that needs discussing and we'll get into it after the recap, eh? But, uh, there's a book in it. <laughs> Yeah, Cousins, uh, I mean, the, the point I made on Twitter, Cousins and Warple are so integral in their development right now. I think a lot of focus around 2020 for Hawthorne fans is, who are we going to get? Who are we going to bring in? And a lot of conversation swirls around, uh, you know, can we get Cornelio? Who can we lure in? But I'd argue that Warple and Cousins and their development in 2019 is just as significant as the decisions we make in the off-season. And we're starting to see for both those guys really super positive signs. Well, I was beginning to be a little bit concerned that we're getting a little bit of the um, Carlton Messiah complex. Oh, yes. Go where on. we bring in the fixer and <laughs> he, he completes the lineup and all of a sudden we're premiership material. Yes. But we're not really doing that with Wingard and other fellas. Mm. 
Um, Omira, he's going to be terrific. I noticed that that fellow, what's his name, Kane, Kane Corns, retracted his <laughs> ridiculous statements, um, which Finally. is a good sign yeah. for him developing um, <laughs> at last. Uh, but, yeah, we can see that development is occurring and we just need to back ourselves. I mean, it was great to see Box Hill before the before mm. the uh, real hit out with the AFL, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You can, you know, head down to the ground. Or get it. it was on TV as well. Sit down and watch the uh, the youth and the future coming through. And there are plenty of great signs down there. We'll get to the recap of Box Hill as well. We heard from uh, Al at Hawk Talk Pod. People are telling me Cameron had a stinker. Well, fortunately, Chip gave him a nice bath for that. Have you seen the poor bloke's <laughs> stats? This is Cameron, of course. 11 touches at 18% efficiency. This has to show how good for all he is because Jezra is a dead set star. And uh, Supercoach Guardian added, no one is really talking about it, but Cornelio and Cameron absolutely got toweled up. They'd have to be considering the move to Hawthorne after that performance. <laughs> well, uh, Cameron might be coming to Hawthorne. No, he'll be going to Geelong. Yeah, but uh, 18% disposal efficiency, which is wonderful from Cameron. <laughs> that is, after what it must be said is a stellar season, that is putrid. <laughs> and I'm glad we could inspire that kind of performance. That, I mean, that was reminiscent of Frawley's job on Kennedy in the, yeah, in the 2015 absolutely. grand final. Yep. It, it just goes to show, now, nothing's changed for me, Tiz, and, and the listeners. I will still always be nervous whenever Frawley has ball in hand. But, you know, there's no doubt that he's a formidable defender. At his best. When he is on Song Frawley, he is capable of stopping some absolute beasts, some monsterful forwards. And we saw it again. It was fantastic. What I really like mm. is that the young players were our best. Who would you put in that brigade? Uh, perhaps Henderson is best to field. And he's mm. not young. No. Okay. <laughs> That's why I But asked. Sicily, Cousins, Amira, Impey all got the job started. Mm-hmm. Warple was consistent for most of the day, except for the last quarter when it looked like he got tired. But, having said that, he's sure was probably GWS's best. That's right. Now, that would not be a good feeling for me. <laughs> I was going to say... This is why I don't want Burgoyne to be carrying the load. No, that's right. Leon Cameron would not be pleased at the, <laughs> the way that distribution has gone to his players. But, uh, no, I was more than happy for Heath Shaw to be their best because I feel that's very telling. You know Himmelberg played? Did he? Yeah. Well, there you go. And he usually looks fantastic. You mentioned Sicily before. We heard from one of our listeners, Daniel, at Hawk Talk Pod. We need to talk about just how good James Sicily's disposal is. The man plays a key back position and sets up play and almost always goes at over 80% disposal efficiency. It's a brilliant effort considering he generally has over 20 to 25 touches a game. Well, see, that's that's one of Sicily's lowest DEs for the year. That's right. I was hoping you'd point that out. <laughs> <laughs> because it's argu- arguably he's the most dependable player in our lineup on that stat certainly but just in general and you know we're a, we're a team that although we're four and four we have a few that stand out in terms of being really solid dependable go-to players on this occasion Sicily had 27 touches at 85 percent disposal efficiency curiously only three contested which just gives gives you an idea of how easy he was having it that's true that is true yep Sicily and you'd have to say Hendo would be leading the Crimmins, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd say so. Yep. And if they're not, well, top five. Closely followed by Jager. Yep. Big boy's going to be in the conversation as well. Yeah, Impy might be up there, you know. He's done well, Impy. I think Impy, in terms of our expectations ahead of the season, he surpassed them. Talk I think about a lot of versatile. Fans would agree. 
Well, he certainly was. Uh, we heard from Darcy. Impy was huge again, especially in the early part of the game. Really hope Chadley was taking notes in the stands. There's that Chadley again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I tweeted out that uh, can you recognise the intelligence of having Impy play Chad's role? I can. It's a fantastic thing to do in terms of ego management. And mm-hmm. we know that Chad has an ego like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> it does seem that way, yeah. So he gets his best mate to show him how it's done yep, and how easy it is. And then Impy will come back to him and tell him how good it was out there and how he found it and Chad will have to listen. And you already have that communication with Impy. Yep. Whereas if you put someone else in, you're not going to get that automatic learning from, from Chad, are you? Uh, Tis master psychologist, aren't you? I love it. Hey, you're completely correct. I just love how he's done that. It was so clever. And a lot of coaches wouldn't have gambled on taking Impey, where he's been a star in the back line, and putting him up the field. It's a wonderful gamble. It is. And it just happened to coincide with everything that Clarkson was trying as well. I mean, it's not only to send, you know, some sort of a message to Wingard, if that indeed was the goal, but... Well, he has to replace him. That's right. And it's a question of who he replaces him with. Yes, and it was the first sign that Clarkson had something up his sleeve. And I just I thought it was enormously encouraging. As soon as Impey got that ball in his hands right at the start of the game, I thought, this is good. I like this. This is something different. And I, I could see where, what he was trying to do with it as well. You'd want to take notes if you were Wingard. Yeah. Because I reckon fans, Hawks fans, whether you're at the ground, you're watching on TV, all over the place are going... See, Wingard, not that hard. Yep. That's <laughs> kind of what we need from you, mate. That's right there, opening yeah. two minutes of the game. It's a bit of that. Yeah, it is. But Clarko's also done it in the past. He's pushed uh, Hardwick forward. Mm-hmm. He's pushed um, Giray forward. Yes. Famously. Langford played a forward pocket role. Yeah. <laughs> Your face then. <laughs> if only listeners could see. Uh, we heard from one of our listeners, Guy. I thought our game style was noticeably different on the weekend. We tried to play on and move the ball quickly and looked for targets. Half of our marks were in the last quarter when we slowed the game down. Your thoughts? Well, how, I just think it's boring, mate. How That's... good were Segler's hands? And then he kicked them both. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yep, fantastic. We needed him to be that forward, and he stepped up beautiful couple of marks i couldn't believe he took that chest mark that just sort of fell into his well that's when you know things are going your way that was on a the day, I think. that was an ugly looking inside 50 that reaped great rewards now well it was a no look chip from shields he he just put it on the boot what about that moment in the third quarter where we've had all the play mm. we can't kick a goal to save ourselves yep and then all of a sudden who stands up one mitch lewis the switch to mitch Takes a lovely mark with a man in front of him, obscuring the ball, mm-hmm. and then goes back from the boundary, just sets yep. sail straight through. Wonderful goal. What a finish. Mature goal. Mm-hmm. Didn't over-celebrate. No, that's right. He was happy with it, but he just kept the lid on it a bit, as you should. And he was well held for much of the day. We've got mm. to put that out there. Mm. But given his opportunity, put it straight through. And that's, that's what you need. Actually, it would be interesting... For Mitch Lewis, do you think it's a lot easier without Roughhead there, knowing he's the target? Yeah, it's something that we're going to discuss later, I think, as well. But at the moment, yeah, I'd say, I'd say he's a bit doesn't have to freer. worry about getting in Roughhead's road. That's and, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he plays a more natural style, I guess. And Clarkson would have been looking for that as well. He would have been int- interested to see how that changed things up for Mitch Lewis and whether he could play his role more effectively. 
Um, I mean, you know, we keep on referring back to Clarkson. This this win was as much about Clarkson's directives. And, you know, he spent some time in the coach's box. I don't know if you saw that, Tiz. Clarko. Yeah, returned to the coach's box for a bit. Oh, yeah, at the beginning of the game? <laughs> I think it were different parts of the game. Not, not at the beginning when we were at our best? Or did it, <laughs> did it correlate with anything? Or I thought that it did. Okay. <laughs> Personally, that's my take. But, you know... Who am I to dispute the great man? If he wants to be on the bench, then who am I to argue? He clearly knows what he's doing. But like I said, it was about as much about Clarkson's directives uh, than it was about the player's ability to actually actually execute them. I thought he had a he had a great plan. Uh, actually, this leads into uh, criticisms of Hawthorne's game plan by way of listener questions. Hawks fans were happy with it, but we heard from Nick Rance. Carey says Hawthorne took too many marks in the last quarter. Might have to do with GWS being lazy and not manning up. But rightio, Wayne. And we heard from Ali as well who asks, do you think we have a boring footy style? Look, is someone as manic and ill-prepared and unpredictable as Wayne Carey accuses you of being boring? (laughs) Just take it for what it is. Mm. A man without expertise in this topic. Yeah. Okay? If Jared Waitley comes to you and goes, (laughs) you're playing boring footy... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or you're being boring. Take that on trust. <laughs> Shots fired. Take that on trust. <laughs> My goodness. Doesn't he trot out the company line all the time now on, he does, on actually. Fox Sports? Yeah, I've noticed. It's a wow. Bit Since when did Robbo become the voice of reason? Oh, it's, it's shocking. It's like episode of Pravda or something. It's really <laughs> weird. Look, this whole Hawthorne's game plan He's thing. gone from government spokesperson on the ABC to now AFL house spokesperson on Fox Sports. <laughs> I didn't realise you weren't done. Jeez, really laying into yeah, him. But he's, you know, he's not there for that. No, he's not. His entire purpose is to straighten up government, uh, uh, AFL house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. This whole non-issue that the media insists on focusing upon uh, Whether Hawthorne's bloody, exciting or not. Every bloody change AFL has made this year has made mm. the game worse. Yeah, that's not right. Not better. Yeah. Okay? So for Wayne Carey to come out and accuse us of being boring is just blatantly stupid. It's not even that. It's just you've got to do what you've got to do to win. And if it means being boring sometimes... And actually, you know what? It's not on the players to entertain us. It's on the players to win. If it happens to be the, boring, if it happens to be exciting, the that's only not thing, the point for them. The only thing more boring than losing to Hawthorne is GWS. Playing not to win. Yeah. <laughs> what does it say about the opposition if they can't beat a boring side? Look, he comes from a club that plays for recreation's sake. <laughs> to pass the time away. Exactly. We play to win. I think it says it all. <laughs> anyway. Dear, oh dear. Did you, uh, it seems like you caught some of Box Hill. Oh, yeah. A draw was a terrible result, wasn't it? Do you think so? Oh, I just hate them. Oh, well, I mean, it's obviously deflating, as draws always are, but I actually tweeted at the time, it's probably a fitting result, because I thought they both fought well. It seems like you couldn't really separate the two teams, and the scoreboard, when the siren went, I thought was reflective of that. No, I thought we were better. <laughs> okay, all right, well, each to their own. I felt that um, if someone hadn't been coaching their defence, we might have won by a little bit more. <laughs> oh, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, it wasn't 
wasn't even. I've been sitting on that for a while. Yeah, I thought you might have been. <laughs> it wasn't even Ruffy who, who initiated it. It was this young fellow, uh, Reuben William, who, who just went up to, to Ruffy and asked the great man for a bit of wisdom. Did he really ask? That's what happened. Wow. Yeah, and uh, Big Ruff was happy to help out, which I think is fantastic. Don't ask, don't get. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly right. It's, I don't know. Who knows what Ruff told him? He might have unlocked the secret to something. Oh, he could then... have been telling him something completely wrong. <laughs> Ruben's like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yep. Mm. <laughs> He's explaining the sliding rule or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a good performance. Um, love the look of Matt Walker. Mm-hmm. He uh, he knows how to hurt his opponent as well. Need a bit of that killer instinct in the side. I think yeah. we've been lacking that. Yeah. Win or loss, I think we've been lacking that. Just one of those things you'd notice as a fan. You're like, oh, yeah, he's mm-hmm. not putting up with anything. <laughs> and uh, people, other players will notice when he's around if he can hurt you. Yeah. You, know, you always have that awareness. A little bit like um, Bob Murphy used to talk about Cyril. I was going to say Cyril, Being yeah. hunted. Is it a coincidence that Matt Walker's been given the uh, number 33 and now suddenly, as you're referring well, that, to, the opposition has this sort of radar. That's for... obviously a subliminal thing that I've caught. <laughs> Maybe. But th- Roughhead looked. It was, it was quite embarrassing, the class above that he is at that yeah, level. Yeah. It was pretty funny to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and and Ruffy took it well. You got to say. He did, yeah. He performed, and when he was interviewed at the end, he was talking about how he has to get to... Um, gel with the boys down there and how they like to play their game and he's yep. ticked five and he still says that. No, it's nice. Yeah. Saying all the right things, Ruffy. Ruffy also jokes that, uh, you know, no one else kicked five on the G today. so <laughs> Or <laughs> and would. No, and, and yeah, no one did. So fantastic <laughs> foreshadowing. Did, uh, uh, did GWS kick five? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, geez, hang on. If I, <laughs> you don't mind, I'll just go back to the... They did, sadly. Yeah. They kicked five goals, eight. Yeah, there, so you, go. there you go. They As a collective. Yeah. <laughs> They've only got the, uh, the front runner for the Coleman, but managed five goals, eight. So Ruffy will be expecting to come straight back in, won't he? Ooh. Don't know about that. No? Is it controversial to say keep him down there another week? I'm just looking at, uh, I guess we'll do a preview of Richmond later, but uh, they've got some injuries and their back six is looking a little bit brittle. Could be great to have Ruffy down there just to stretch him a little bit more. That is the temptation. I mean, Ruffy, after a five-goal haul and looking in fantastic, it was the, the supply he gave to his teammates as well, which I thought was fantastic. Ruffy, he, he played a pretty complete game, I thought. Uh, the other goal, goal kickers for the day, by the way, Walker with two, Ross one, uh, Andrew Moore. We had Glass, uh, Pissonette and Schoenmakers. Uh, Gee, Lee- has got a lovely left foot, doesn't he? Sometimes you forget just how good his distribution is. That's true. That is true. Uh, disposals, Andrew Moore with 25, Glass with 24 as he continues to impress in his uh, rejuvenated role of being an inside mid. Hanrahan, 22, Mirror, 21, and Meadows finished with 18 touches. Uh, we heard from one of our listeners, uh, Cameron, who said, if we thought Ruffhead coaching opposition players was good, imagine all the good he'll do with our young forwards down in Box Hill. I love Ruff, but he could help train the kids before they get to the big stage. His on-field presence would be huge for them. And Ali added at Hawk Talk Pod, will Ruffy be back this week? Now, this is the question. Now, Will Golds looked absolutely delighted to have Ruffy down there, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, well, it was the whole team. It was a little, like I said, the whole team benefited from him being there. It was a little bit fanboyish. They were all. <laughs> it's a good way to see the boys sort of gelling and and seeing that they can be that good. They get to see 
uh, the class of Ruffhead down there. Mm. What would you do? Would you bring him back in or not? I know this is sort of a glimpse at our preview for the Richmond game, but oh, I don't, I don't think I would. Right, so you're on not the same page straight with me. away. No, I think we have a real opportunity to see what Mitch can do. But I just what what the apprentice can do. It would be great to just have Ruffy in the emergencies or something, and then someone pulls out real late, and then they don't have a matchup for him. Oh, I'm in favour of that. I I reckon name him. They haven't got Nancurvis now. You can't have Segler and McAvoy Mm. and Lewis and Ruffy though. No, no, you can't have all four. But I, I reckon we'll go with your strategy. You name him as an emergency. Scare the living shit out of him. <laughs> and just see what, you, see what you do on the day. See if you want to bring him in or not. Or don't and just pay the 10 grand to get him into the side. So that works too, apparently. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. the AFL's a shambles this year. Uh, well, they, they know they're a shambles too. It seems the only one that's really having a crack at the AFL this week, in an official capacity... He's the only one that punches up. <laughs> it's, it's our Everyone mate. else in the AFL punches down. It's our mate, Jeff Kennett. The Prez. So we had a terrible attendance for the mothers. When we forecast this, we knew this was coming. Well, it, it doesn't take no Nostradamus to, to not, know. No one wants to turn up 3.20 on Mother's Day, least of all your mothers. We know from our listeners regularly, whether it's Mother's Day or not, no one likes 3.20, full stop, on a Sunday. They're always closing the car park at the G. Yep. Twice we've had the trains not running. That's right. It's just nothing appealing about it. Now, just under 15,000 fans attended this Mother's Day clash between Hawthorne and the Giants. Now, that's the lowest MCG crowd to see the Hawks since 2004. Now, uh, in his latest letter to Hawthorne members, Kennett wrote that he was surprised so many were in attendance (laughs) at the game and was scathing of the AFL's decision to schedule Hawthorne eight Sunday games this year. So if you feel like you've been to a few games on Sunday this year, Hawks fans, that's why. This is a deliberate attempt Hmm. to destabilise Hawthorne financially. That's exactly what Kennett's insinuation... Well, not even an insinuation. He just came out and said it. Uh, This is a quote from Kennett. This year, the AFL scheduling will cost our club revenue line between $500,000 and $1 million, he wrote in this latest letter to members. I can't help but think they must sit around at the table at the AFL and try to think of ways to weaken our club. Or is it just a part of their continuing campaign to drive us out of Tasmania? It absolutely Mm. is. No, it is... We are a threat to their power base, Mm. along with Collingwood... And Essendon, yep. and the West Coast Eagles, Adelaide, even Frio mm. has a fair bit of money. And they won't be told what to do by the AFL. Now, you look at some of the clubs that are getting some very nice fixturing. <laughs> Coincidence? Yeah. They're the puppets. Yeah. Okay, they just toe the line with everything. They also get fairly good uh, representation at the tribunal. Mm. Um, they seem to get wonderful free kick results. Mm-hmm. There's Richmond and Hawthorne getting shithouse free kick. <laughs> I mean, we even lost the free kicks on on Sunday. Did we? To to GWS. Was yeah. it close? And or? it's not even close. Here we go. Let me look them up. 16 to Hawthorne, 23 mm. to GWS. Jeez, I didn't even realise that. Nearly a third more. Yeah. Not as bad as Carlton v Collingwood, but... No, that was just peculiar. And Carlton had a terrible record against us. They averaged like two and a half free kicks a quarter. Yeah. They averaged two free kicks a quarter against Collingwood. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're not smart about how they go about it. And poor Cripps. Jeez. Mm. Don't you wish the Carlton club would fold just so he could leave? <laughs> It'd be good for him. 
That's one of the things. That's one of the first things I changed about the AFL, that the best player in the draft has to go to the worst club in the AFL. Mm. How is that in any way good for the game? Well, it, it's all in service of equalising things, isn't it? It's giving the small guy a leg up. It's not. That's, that doesn't equalise it. Equalisation would be if everybody had, a, had an equal amount of chance of getting him. Yes, no, it's, I see it where just, you're coming from. Just where you term your viewpoint for equal. Yes, no, that's you're completely correct. I can't argue with that. But you see what I mean. You see what, oh, I see what, what they, they mean. Yeah, that's, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but if you... I would be hiding my talents if I were going top ten. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Just play a bit below yourself if uh, you know yeah. if you have a feeling of where you're going to end up. I would be. God, I'd be talking up the other fella. Yeah, I don't want to go to Queensland. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, you saw the look on the faces of the poor boys that got taken by Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we got a list of all the terrible things the AFL has done. We do. I did put it to Twitter after the the, the latest shenanigans of the past few days. Um, just how many idiotic things the AFL has accomplished this year and what are the worst ones. All right. It's just an avalanche of entries. All right. You ready? Yep. Al, as much as I want to say the tornado of dog shit that was <laughs> AFLX, I'm going to have to go with the AFL ticking themselves off as nailing every obviously ghastly decision they've made. Just today, the second Amblet incident is proof that they're taking the piss. Absolutely. I mean, that's a very broad one. I mean, that's kind of, as the first tweet goes, that's kind of, consider it the umbrella for the rest of the tweets to follow. <laughs> Little Gaz, leading with the elbow. His dad didn't get away with it, but all of a sudden, the son can. Little elbows ablet, eh? <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it was, it was a worse incident than he, the first one. He jumps off the ground to have to collect them in the face. The, uh, the, the head is sacrosanct, Nick. Yeah, well, apparently... That's what I've heard. That's what the word on the street is, but it doesn't seem to matter to the AFL anymore. The thing about you look at, you review his uh, defense in terms of his appeal for that other incident and the reasons that he got off, okay? And you apply them to this incident and they're all null and void. He didn't, he didn't have to like try and get out of the way. He made an effort to make contact with the North Melbourne player. He did. He left the ground again. He hit the guy high again. He doesn't have an exemplary record because that excuse is only valid once and he already used it. So by all rights, he was, he should have been... He shouldn't have even been out there because he should have been suspended the first time. And let me ask you this. What deterrent is a fine... If the guy just comes out and does it again the next week. Also, it's the kind of change he would find in his car under the seat. Oh, it's nothing to him. Nothing at all. So, it's just preposterous. It could not even be looked at. They just toss it out straight, and Fife, for that matter, that both weren't even looked at or taken seriously. And then uh, little Chrissy Scott comes out, and he's like, oh, thank goodness you're not the MRO, Robbo. <laughs> and it, everyone's like, oh, yeah, because it's just a bad technique, Robbo. And uh, he's protecting his shoulder. Well, stuff his shoulder. Yes. The head is much more important yeah. than his little shoulder. Thank stuff you your very shoulder. Much. Stop collecting people high. Yeah, this is just... When was the last time Ablett intercepted a bloody handball anyway? <laughs> I, I've actually... Uh, we've heard from Geelong supporters on our Twitter account. I don't know if you've seen this. No. But, no. Uh, yeah, people having a go at the... the block, talk. block, That's, block. No, go on. No, I love it. I don't, I don't block them. I love the sparring. It's Fair brilliant. Uh, but they've had a go at us because uh, apparently we talk about Geelong more than we talk about Hawthorne. 
Oh, I don't think that's true. Oh, they, they keep a keen eye on our podcast account for some reason, being strong supporters. Oh, well, they profess to. Five stars. <laughs> yeah, rate and review us on iTunes if you are listening. But uh, we, we've been accused of focusing too much on DeLong this season. Um, I would argue that how about you get your players out of the news for playing outside the rules? How about that? <laughs> when your players stop doing dirty shit off the ball, we'll stop talking about it. Um, and the, the thing about cats is nine lives, yeah? They'll probably make September. Oh, they're, they're going stage. through them pretty quick. Yeah, they are. They'll probably make September at this stage. And I know it's a harsh thing to want to wish on players, but I hope someone's number comes up and they miss out on a final. <laughs> I know that is incredibly mean-spirited to say, but their number is coming up Geelong. Eventually, they're going to have a player suspended and I will have no sympathy whatsoever. Well, they lost to GWS, of course. They did. Who we beat, made look second rate. So they're not that good. We were only a goal off them every quarter. Yep, that's right. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're getting a lot of benefit from having those games down there. Now they want a final down there too. Terrific. We heard from Obsessive Compulsive in a pretty strong field, ticking off on the Dane Rampy non-decision and then sending him a please explain for the same incident is pretty awful. They uh, fined him 10K. It's just preposterous. And another, one, and another 1K for the uh, koala wing. Koala ing, koala ing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> of the of the goalpost. I mean, they said effectively by their own admission there was nothing in it in order to pay a free kick. So there was there wasn't anything because he didn't shake the goalpost. If no. you look at the goalpost, it doesn't shake very much. Well, clearly it was. It was not... an inefficient attempt. Yeah. To shake the post. So it was insufficient force. Yep. <laughs> it's Dane Rampy insufficient force against the goalpost. Didn't get high enough. No, didn't get high enough. So downgrade it. <laughs> I mean, the only thing terrific about that is just how much that little flog from Essendon was going off about it. Oh, Stringer, Stringer, uh, and then them losing the game and having a chuckle afterwards. Just oh, Heppel having a chuckle afterwards. Yeah, no yeah. big deal. Heppel and Myers. Yep. Yeah, if they were leading my club, I think I'd. I'd uh, look elsewhere myself. I See, it's that sort of thing that I really hate when it's a story because I think, uh, whatever, move on. Not a great look, move on. Let's not. Why do we have to talk about it? But I am on the same page as you. I wouldn't like it if it was our Hawks players laughing after a game. The worst part about that image, if you go back to it, is mm. there's two blokes in the background on their haunches oh, okay. from Essendon. <laughs> yeah, they're and really they're, taking it yeah, hard. And they look like they're going to a vaudeville. <laughs> Very bad. So ends with his nominations for most stupid thing the AFL has done this year. To me, the two free kicks for who knows why in the game against the Bulldogs, the first against Amira and the second against Sicily, which was then mentioned by Sicily the following week. Remember that? Yes. Gee, they're missing a few free kicks this week. Yeah, he that put was that a great out on Twitter. Tweet. <laughs> uh, whatever the free kicks were for seem only to be against Hawks. Also calling play on against Bruce in the Saints game. That was dreadful. The same thing, actually, speaking of Rampy. That, that happened that, to Rampy. Happened. It, the same thing. I'm like, this, this is garbage. Mind you, Bruce didn't um, didn't get as long as Rampy. No, that's true. Uh, Anthony actually adds to that. Ticking off on freeze against Sicily and O'Meara against the Dogs, then clearly telling umpires not to pay them anymore because they haven't seen one since. And yeah. that's true. We've not seen anything. When are the Gamblers Association going to write to the AFL and go, what on earth is going on? We know, have no faith in gambling on <laughs> AFL anymore. Is this what they're doing? Is they, mm. They're getting all the sponsorship for the gambling yep. and they're deliberately making it impossible to win a bet on <laughs> by changing the rules every week. Yeah, is that, sure. is that part of the agreement, do you think? 
I'd say so. With uh, what? I can't even it's remember. It's a bit easy There's or something. so many betting agencies. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Stringy Loops, great name. The extra 50 clear space thing. So I think he's talking about like that protected zone thing. Oh, when the bloke, uh, the Carlton bloke. Yeah, that's right. Basically has a look. Waited to... for him to come into his field of motion. Yeah. And then got another 50 to make it 100. Yeah, yeah basically the, the, the ridiculousness that is the 100 metre penalties going around at the moment. God, they underestimate the players, don't they? Of course they're going to abuse that rule, you nonces. Of course anyway, they Anyway, yeah. Andrew, that rampy thing, legit maybe it. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I included that because I thought, yep, that's kind of the peak of where we're at at the moment. But you just wait. One more week. Next week, there'll be something to top it, I reckon. That's my pick, Andrew. Uh, Nick, is this you? No, it's in? not me. It's, no. I think it's... Uh, different Nick. Yeah, different Nick. Yep. When they allowed the opinions of people who had no idea about the modern game and the changes to the players' bodies from the... FKN 80s and the 90s, <laughs> and they thought, oh, yes, 666 will definitely open up the game. Hasn't done. At all. Scoring's down. Yep. Scoring from centre clearances is down. Scoring from kick-ins is down. Intercepts from kick-ins is up. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Anyway. We heard from Darcy as well. Uh, doubling down on warnings for the 666. Everyone should know the rules by now. Stop the warnings. Oh, yes. What is with the warnings and the practical umpiring? Oh, yes. Practical umpiring for practical outcomes. <laughs> Vote one, Gil. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so are we, are we, are we done? I mean, there's got to be more uh, because these are all the best listener submissions, but there's got to be more things. To me, they're just a, a complete joke. They're worse than when Andrew Demetrio was there. Mm. Uh, you've got Gil who seems to be this little personality and makes decisions on the fly and comes up with practical umpiring and uh, that that uh, jumping on the goalpost is the same and qualifies for a warning as does being a metre over the mark when you get a, mo- a warning to go back and they yeah. don't pay 50. He, he thought that was equal. Mm. Do you think that's equal or in any way... One is a deliberate act of jumping onto a post, totally yeah. unnatural in the game, and the other one is not really being aware of where the mark is. I just, uh, I've come not to trust anything that anyone in an administrative level of the AFL says. Worst is the MRO. One bloke mm. in charge of all the officiating. Yep. And now we're seeing some terrible decisions, and the fact that the tribunal is never backing up his decisions, which is why we're so frustrated that Cousins didn't, use his prerogative and go and challenge it because mm. he would have played. See, I hear that argument and I counter it with you're assuming there's any certainty oh, around well, that. Yeah. Like you cannot trust these people to get anything right, to do anything sensible. Well, they haven't really up, uphold, upheld Michael Christensen's decisions at all this year. Most of the times they are, they are thrown out. You would think with one guy being in charge... You'd think you'd get some consistency and get some logical decisions from week to week. And it's actually gone the opposite way. Well, I don't even way. think there's a feedback for him to want to be doing that. I no. don't think they have the structures there for that. Mm. I think Gil is very much about appearances. Mm. And, oh, look, the the game looks nice. Well, it doesn't look nice. You've buggered it all up. Yeah. Most of the clubs don't know how to go about coaching it. Um, uh, you've ostracise a lot of people from actually turning up to the games. Attendances mm. are down, but yep. people are watching it more but, uh, on telly. Yeah, fine, but 
you can see a trend starting to form. You can tell these people are completely disengaged from social media because even outside our little Hawthorne bubble, I can tell that people are disillusioned with the game. Yeah. It doesn't matter where their team sits on the ladder. You can talk to Geelong fans. And 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 the ladder's pretty much irrelevant. Yeah. Because there's everyone's so even. That's the point. Is that is that fun? I don't see a better style of football coming out of this. No, neither do I. No. They're in a big hole, the AFL, at the moment. And we can't go one week without... We can't vote them out. Well, that's true as well. But you can't go one week without some ridiculous story uh, that has nothing to do with anything that happened on field about, oh, this team is sensational. And, gee, we we love that play. No, it's nothing to do with that. It's about, um, you know, some guy jumping on a goalpost. I would say they're no longer an administration. They're a media organisation. Oh, there's so much keeping up appearances about the AFL. Oh, jeez. On to some more questions. Yeah, we'll get to some other miscellaneous listener questions. We heard from Enns. Do you think the club has used the word spirit enough? <laughs> what do you think of Connor Glass in the midfield for Box Hill? He's quite impressive in the midfield. He is, yes. He's a bit rugged, old Connor. I reckon he's a bit bony, too. He, he looks like he hurts a few fellas <laughs> in the midfield. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> a bit of the old Michael Tuck. <laughs> all bones. We heard from Justin as well at Hawk Talk Pod. I worry about our talls going forward. Frawley is our most reliable defender, but he's 31 in September. Strats is 30. Big Boy is 30 in July. Cozzy is our only young key position prospect at Box Hill. You know what you get from Brand, Mirror and O'Brien. I worry about how our talls are going to look in two years. Oh, I like Cozzy. He looks good. He can play forward as well, don't forget. It's true. So, not too worried. Nash, by the way, hasn't played for four weeks now. Yeah, we had people asking about him on the weekends. Yeah, well, he's in the stands eating a banana. Yep. That's on the telecast. First time we've, that's right. We've, first time we've seen him in a long time. So, he hasn't played any games for about a month. Yeah. Because he hasn't played at Box Hill level. They had a bye. Yep. He was a carryover in Tassie. And then there was a bye for Box Hill. And then he didn't represent Box Hill this weekend. Mm. So that's four weeks, and this is when you want to be developing Nash. Yeah. So he's tall, and he can play <laughs> any position you give him, really. Yeah. Apart from small forward. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, Daniel asks, should Hawthorne be active in the mid-season draft? They definitely will be. There'll be at least one spot, uh, potentially two, if Birchall does a Sean Grigg. Mm. Um yeah, everyone just get prepared for that emotionally, I think. There's every chance that could happen. Uh, key position player, midfield depth, or should they look to the future and head start on some youth like Kyle Dunkley? Well, I don't think we're going to be low enough in the draft to get Kyle, mm. but he does look good. I watched him going around for the dogs on the weekend. Yeah. What would you like to see? Oh, I'm torn because my instinct is to say... Do we upgrade someone from Box Hill or do we yeah. look outside? I don't know. I think, broadly speaking, my instinct is to say we need more midfield depth, but I do take as Justin's point as well. As soon as, as, soon as well. Tom Mitchell comes back. I know, we're looking a lot better. Yeah. But uh, maybe a key back at this point? I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. Very hard to find a, key, a decent key back. I know, I know. But if, if you can find one for the mid-season draft, if there's one that we could somehow pick up, by chance, I'd be looking at that. So they'd be the two areas I'd be looking at personally. Why is the game seemingly riddled with poor disposal by hand and foot, missing targets, Hawthorne being one of the main offenders? Does my head in, Ross? Thanks, Ross, for that question. Uh, something you've noticed about Hawthorne? Because I thought we used That was pretty... last week, definitely. Yeah, I thought by comparison this week we were a lot better with the, the Yeah, footy. but across the league is definitely right. Mm. 
assumed pressure. I'm not really sure. Perhaps this is a strange thing to say, but I don't think they're working on skills. I think they're working on their game plans. I think that's too far-fetched to say. So that's, that's where fair all enough the, comment. That's where all the time's going. Yeah. doesn't matter how good your skills are after your game plan shit else. Yeah, you've got to work with the 666 thing now. Mount Everest asks, Carey said Carlton is closer to a premiership. Why is he on the podcast again? <laughs> Carlton is closer to a premiership than Hawthorne, which is a topic I'd like to hear you, you boys discuss. Well, it's going to be a short discussion, I think. Is it? Well, I mean, how about Carlton focuses on winning a game? We've got that? the medical staff for a premiership. <laughs> yeah, well. Carlton will be better next year, but they've got a lot of development. They've also got to find a ruckman too. Mm. There's no obvious ruckman hanging around there. Mm. Uh, Cruiser's on his last legs. Um, you've seen how good they are with, without Simpson in the back, back yeah, line. exactly. So, um, yeah, good luck to Carlton. Don't mind them as a club. Feel sorry for Cripps. <laughs> Richmond versus Hawthorne at the MCG. GTs. If you had to have a stab, when do you think this game's going to be? Oh, really? <laughs> Friday night, eh? No, the old 3.20pm Sunday fixtures back again. And it's a replacement game. Is it? Mm. Well, there you go. So uh, good for the members to turn up. Mm-hmm. I think we'll have a good show. I think so. We've As lost... opposed to premiership years when we always lose to Richmond. Well, that's right. We've actually lost the last three encounters against Richmond. Though they had a good win out west... I... I still think with a depleted side... And travel. Yeah, I think we're a good chance here. This is a really good opportunity to score some back-to-back wins for for the Hawks. Uh, we heard from one of our listeners, Simon. If Chad's hamstring issues resolve and he's declared fully fit and available for selection, does he come back into the side? If mm. so, who's omitted for him? I would think the conspiracy theories would just absolutely go into meltdown if he came <laughs> back this week. <laughs> it would, yes. So that ain't happening. No, conversely, there's also the amount of chatter that suddenly increases if he misses again. Yeah, no, I don't think so. If it's a real so. injury, then he has to have two weeks. You don't get a one-week hammy. That's true. Yeah, well, that's true. So you're in favour of uh, Chad being kept back? I think so. He, he hasn't performed. Well, Andrew, one of our listeners, suggests that uh, Dylan Moore would be in, in the firing line. If uh, if Chad came back in, if he was healthy, then Dylan Moore would lose his spot. If that is the case, um, no, I it don't want like that to happen. Looks like Scrimshaw may not play. Yeah, he uh, he sat out the rest of the game with which made Impey go into the back line. Yeah, yeah. The the commentators couldn't confirm it. They they thought it was concussion. Oh, so, okay. So it hasn't been confirmed. Well, I'm not sure at this point. At the time of recording, I'll need to actually check if. Uh, well, well, you know what we need the Booper recovery report, Tiz. Oh yeah, that's a fantastic um, resource. Resource, yeah. How is Birchall? <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while since we've heard about Birchall, which is um, it's concerning. I'm telling everyone, get emotionally prepared for Birchall to not play on because it's looking increasingly like that'll happen. So Birchall and Mitchell are listed as indefinite. Tim mm-hmm. Moore is the season. Mm-hmm. Jack Scrimshaw is listed as migraine test. So I, I guess that's why where the confusion was stemming from. They, they were reporting on TV it was a concussion, but they weren't sure. It turns out it was a migraine. Yeah. Uh, Isaac Smith, foot test. Okay. So uh, something wrong with his foot there. <laughs> That's your expert reading into it, is it? Yeah. Oh, the insight, the analysis. Just list foot. That'll be great. Yeah. And uh, Chadley Wingard, hamstrung test. Okay. So he could be back. Now, let's go on to Richmond. We were having a shocking time of it. Cochin, two to three weeks hamstring. Uh, I'm only going to do the players I know. Okay. 
Uh, Jack Graham, hamstring one week. Sean Grigg has retired. That's hardly an injury. Uh, Nan Curvis, six to eight weeks with an adductor. Mm. Alex Rance, season with the knee. Jack Rewalt, PCL with five to seven. Daniel Rioli is a test with his ribs. Mm-hmm. Good of them to list that. Uh, Jack Ross, ankle, six to eight weeks. That's very unfortunate. He's an inside mint, been doing very well at a very young age. Jaden mm-hmm. Short is out with an elbow, five to six. Nick Blaston, who seems to play well against us every time, yep. ankle test for this week. So he probably will come in. But still, if Ruffy came into that side, I can <laughs> see them being... Anyway, it'll be interesting because I think Clarko's back on his game. We heard from uh, one of our listeners, Stewie Bro, at Hawk Talk Pod. The Tigers, power at home, the Lions away, adds up to a real tough test leading into the bye. We need to win two out of those and turn on the plus side of the ledger. So Stewie Bro's sort of crystal balling a bit, and uh, I think he's right. If if even we win two of those, our, our season sort of turns a corner. So Richmond are coming off Frio in Frio, mm-hmm. which is a lovely fixture for us. Yep. And then before we play Port, they've played the Suns. Okay, mm. so we drag Port down to Tassie, and they're coming. Wait, where, off... where are Port playing the Suns? Is that going to be over? Is that over, over in States? Port Adelaide? Oh damn it! <laughs> not not in China. No. Oh, are we still doing China? Is that a I thing? I don't know actually. Okay, surely the media storm is going to hit soon for <laughs> that. And then uh, Brisbane have the Dockers. Hmm. Over there okay. before we head up there. All right. So it'll be interesting to see the form of Richmond after playing the Dockers because the Dockers aren't easy beats mm. and it's quite a trip. And for a young team like Brisbane to travel and come back could be very interesting. There's a bit of, um, oh, I can see Richmond depleted. Port Adelaide <laughs> don't have their best player, Burton. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then Brisbane coming off a, a loss to the Dockers in the so, West. So perhaps the word you're looking for is fortuitous. And then, is that the buy then? I think it is the buy then. Well, according to Stewie, bro, we'll need to look at that, but... Pretty good. Yeah, it's encouraging. Especially considering we should have beaten both the Dogs and the Saints. Mm. Perhaps our talent is being obscured. It's been a big question of just... just obscured where it... by what? Well, where is Hawthorne at? What the umpiring, the draw. Yeah, a bit of luck as well comes into it. Injuries. Injuries. Yep. What is this team? What can it do in 2019? We still aren't sure. Maybe we'll go some way to finding well, we the answer this Well, we knew shut the gate last week. So. Oh, well, yeah. He said, he said we're a middle-of-the-road side and then went out and beat a premiership contender. So, I mean, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Stick with the theme, Clarko. Come on. <laughs> Clarko must have read him a riot act last week. He must have said, right, you fellas, mm-hmm. I can do it to Ruffy, I can do it to any one of you. <laughs> That's a fair assumption, yes. So you go out there and you show these very, very highly talented early draft pick of a team <laughs> how awful they are at the G. Mm. I've given you the plan, you just execute it, we win. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them this week? <laughs> Is this your little sneaky way of getting a rant out of me? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. I've got, a, I've got a rant. I've got a bit of a rant with a twist. This is much less a rant, more a vision. Something that occurred to me in a dream, Tiz. Something about a man that will line up this weekend. You know him, a young star of the competition. We've seen what he can do. We've seen him boot some unbelievable goals. This is much less of a dream. This is not even a prediction, Tiz. It's a spoiler. 
Sunday twilight at the MCG. All eyes will be fixed upon the forward line when the ball sails long and deep into the danger zone. It'll be the last roll of the dice in what will have been a gruelling contest. And as a pack of hopeful players form, desperate to pluck the pill from the sky, one man, one colossus, his muscles rippling and glistening with liniment, will soar above the rest. For a moment it will be as though time means nothing, as though all is standing still, and as the superstar descends from the heavens, ball in hand, a roar will ring out around the stadium. Footy fans will rejoice. It's a mark for the ages, they'll say. The replay on the big screen will earn a second round of collective awe. There'll be time enough to enjoy a third angle before the monster forward puts his boot through the football, adding to an ever-growing tally of goals. Teammates will mob the young star. The fans will celebrate. And somewhere off in the distance, at the other end of the field, all alone, there'll be a listless Tom Lynch. A tumbleweed will drift through the Tigers' forward line, and he'll think to himself, this was my moment. I was meant to be the league's premier goal kicker. I was meant to carry this club to a premiership. And then the siren will sound, Hawthorne victorious. And in that moment, Lynch will know, as all Richmond fans will know, that Tiger time is over. And our time is now, for Hawthorne has made the switch to Mitch. You loved that, didn't you? Oh, just a little bit. (laughs) No, no, I meant on Sunday when I said, don't worry. Mitch Lewis will kick the next one. Oh, you did call it. Yep, I've got to pay that. You <laughs> called that Mitch would kick that goal. From about four minutes out. Yeah. You had no, let's face it, you had no idea that would happen, clearly. But oh, you... no, I just felt that it needed someone to assert themselves and often it's the key forward. Yep. Rose to the occasion did Mitch Lewis. That was a wonderful goal. And clearly, I think he's going to be the man this week. So this is uh, this is part of the fixturing too from AFL. Mm-hmm. House. I can't believe we're back on this, yep. <laughs> how often we have to change how we structure to meet our opposition because they all play different styles in these four weeks. Have you oh, noticed that? Oh, come on. Now, I can tinfoil hat with you to some extent, but that might be a bit too much. Nah. <laughs> well, I've been put in my place. If they're, if they're buggered around with our fixture that much, they're coming up with ways. Okay, all right. Still, I reckon we should sell some brown and gold tinfoil hats. They will be great. <laughs> anyway, we can look forward to a really good game this week, I think. I think so, yeah. It should be an entertaining contest. Uh, unfortunate about the scheduling, again, 3.20 Sunday, but uh, I will be there this week. Yeah, but it's not Mother's Day, so... No, it's not Mother's Day, so get down there, Hawks fans. I know uh, many people, many people... It's will all right, just plans. go to dinner afterwards and skip all the traffic. Jump char in the city, not bad. <laughs> Tiz, what's your pick for this week? Oh, us. Mm, same here. Yeah, I feel, I feel terrible about last week. Not as bad as me with my multi. I put in GWS by 40 You were plus. out in the first round, Chief. I was too. Yeah, yeah. Do you even bother printing the ticket anymore? <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I want to clarify. I put GWS by 40 plus oh. because it put my bet to over $1,000. I was up for about almost 1400 for my multi. But of course, wow. as you point out, I got nowhere near it. I was out in the first day. <laughs> All right, so cool. oh, this will be good. Yep. Okay, so we're up to round nine. Yep. How about nine. that? That that crept up. All right. <laughs> now this looks very very easy. Oh no. West Coast host Melbourne. <laughs> West Coast forty sure? plus. Oh, <laughs> beautiful. Okay, oh, so no. West Coast by less than a goal. <laughs> uh, Collingwood St Kilda. Uh, Collingwood. Brisbane, Adelaide. 
Brisbane. Ooh. Mm. Cats, dogs. Cats. Essendon Frio. Fantastic. I mean, can't you wait to watch that? <laughs> oh. At the oh, at the wonderful time God. of seven thirty at Marvel on a Saturday night. That is premier action. Oh, let's go Essendon. I don't know. That that's hard. Yeah, well it another hardest choice will be between that game. Mm. And North versus Sydney at oh, Hobart. Gee, oh, wow. What I a mean, fixture. Thank goodness I haven't had anything planned for Saturday. <laughs> um, uh, let's go North. I didn't think much of Sydney. Port Adelaide, Gold Coast to open the Sunday. Uh, Port Adelaide. Richmond, Hawthorne. Hawthorne. By? Between 1 and 39. Yeah, okay. Can I just clarify? Only because you've got to keep in mind that we only managed about 70 points. Yes. So I'm still not sure that we can kick a great total, but I think we'll still win. Okay. Giants, Carlton. Uh, Giants. Fair enough. Why is that the one you're shaking on? You give me a little bit of a look like, oh, that's where you lose the money. No, no, no. <laughs> As I, if I won't I lose hope on it Friday gets night. all the way through to there. I really oh, do. So cruel. <laughs> Carlton, Carlton won't do anything. All right, well, that's going to be our podcast for another week. I like to think that this week was a bit buoyant, so it had some spirit behind it. It was hashtag really pleasing. Let us know what you thought. You can uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Please do that. Jump on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod. You can find us on Facebook too, facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. Now, Tiz, are you going to be at the game? Oh, absolutely. All right, well. Be there I'll... with bells on. Actually, it's... Uh, <laughs> Anything to put the opposition off, right? It's the round that's my birthday round. So... It's a birthday round? Yeah. Oh. I'll have my cake in the stands. Do they allow that in the in the MCC or That's a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> Still brought to you by Butler though, I hear. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be fantastic. Although I think um I think about this time last year I went up to uh Brisbane. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so uh that's not happening again, of course. No. So there you go. Everyone just concentrate on making it a very happy birthday for Tiz, all right? <laughs> Let's not repeat the mistakes of last year. We'll have a birthday app next week. It'll be great. Right. <laughs> Fingers crossed for the, uh, the birthday episode. <laughs> <laughs> I am disappointed that you didn't go with my idea to have the footy show revival episode of the Hawk Talk pod. Mate, Sale of the Century soundboards aren't just lying around <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Maybe that could be next week as well. That's your birthday wish. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I'm sorry well, I told you now. It won't happen. <laughs> You're right, it won't. <laughs> Look forward to that, listeners. We are a happy team at Hawthorne. <laughs>